Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So here's my opening sentence. The way our homes have been built in the last century is reinforcing lifestyles that make us sick, stressed, alienated, and unhappy. In fact, this statement has created a brand new way of thinking for those in the real estate industry. Wellness real estate was a $134 billion industry in 2017, growing by 6.4% annually since 2015. It is now projected to reach $197 billion by 2022. The Global Wellness Institute believes that residential real estate is the next frontier that will be radically transformed by the wellness movement. Our homes, communities, and surrounding environment directly affect our daily behaviors and lifestyles, and together these determine up to 80 to 90% of our health outcomes. To quote from their research, our modern living environment has created new health risks, sedentary lifestyles, lack of physical activity, poor diet, stress, social isolation, and environmental degradation. The global rise of many respiratory and chronic diseases have been traced directly to pollution. So our environment favors driving over biking, sitting over walking, riding in elevators over using the stairs, texting over face-to-face conversations, and screen time over outdoor recreation. Wellness real estate advisor Zach Green is incredibly passionate about his work and this topic. So much so so that I said to him for a number of times, I don't have guests on the show that don't fall into my niche, which for him was the real estate market. But he was actually really quick to offer some critical points about this whole wellness environment issue. And so I actually felt that we have a lot to offer all of you listening and your family. So we have a ton to talk about, concepts and ideas that you might not have considered that go far beyond your commute, access to parks, and social status. So welcome to Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And as always, please, if you're looking for for more information, you can head to extensionmarketing.com. Zach, great to have you here. Great. Thanks, Leanne. Yeah. Did you actually think you'd ever actually make it into the the No, I didn't. You're a tough sell. (laughs) Um, But but with that said, I think once we started talking, um, it was it became clear that this is about a lot more than than real estate. And it certainly is for me in my journey and what I try and help people do. You know what? I saw that and I, I think I saw how passionate you were. And then you started to send me the literature. And then I started to read up on this concept. And a lot of it you know, does make sense. You know, you're sitting in your car for an hour on the commute to work and home from work, or, you know, you're someone who loves being outside and yet you're living in an environment where you're not actually have access to being outside into parks. So a lot of things are actually going to come into play into this. So on the, on the side of the fact that, you know, right now real estate work seems to be where it falls under for you, it goes much further than that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really see, I mean, T.S. Eliot said that home is where we start from. And, and I really believe that that's very true. Um, full disclosure, I've had mental health challenges in my own life. Um, and it became, it became very clear to me um, that having a good space was very important. 
uh, it, it really helped boost me um, to come from the right place. And I bring that energy that, that's created into the world with me and everything that I do. Um, I realized, too, that if that's happening for me, it's happening for everybody else. And so I, I, at the same time, I was doing public policy work and I was looking into um, these various new mega trends that we're having. We have urbanization. We have an aging population. We have um, people that are we have environmental degradation, sustainability, all those things you touched on in the intro. And I didn't hear people talking about how we're making decisions about our own personal real estate and how those link to our mental health. And it was like this big gap. Um, bits and pieces have, have flowed out the, mm-hmm. some of the stuff you've touched on. And um, it really gripped me as a, as a subject matter. So here you are working in public policy. Is that so? What were you doing there? Like, what was the type of work that you were doing? We were advising uh, on sustainable and resilient communities. And as part of a res- building a resilient community, you need a community that's going to be resilient to mental health challenges. As somebody who was facing uh, issues myself, um, it was really a personal sort of story. And, and I started to realize that it, the, the same level I needed to build resiliency, what, those, what's that, what that really meant. And I was focused more on that resiliency side of it from a public health perspective. So... Um, some of the things that came to mind were social cohesion, um, and and I I studied that in depth for a while. Um, it was it was really interesting and really great. I lost my passion for that public policy work, um, and I decided I wanted to do this on a more intimate level with people and help people make good decisions about what they wanted to do because you, you see it. I mean, I don't sit down with a client and say like, so what mental health problem are you struggling with? It's not, it's not, not what I do, but I can usually intuit a little bit. Well, I think in one of the, the ways it described you, you were like an expert in human connectiveness or something. Like there was, and I thought that was a really interesting choice of words, but sometimes being able to read people uh, is a critical part of, you know, not even so much the sales side of things, but to really, if you're coming at it from a true place of service for people that you want them and you see what it is that they need that's going to make their lives better. That's precisely it. And and I always say, I mean, it's, it's service, it's not sales. Um, I don't believe that this vocation that I've chosen in real estate is, I don't believe that my, my function is to hard sell somebody. Um, this is the biggest, usually the biggest financial decision of somebody's life for one, which is that carries its own weight and, and you have to treat that judiciously. Um, but it's, it's really, it's a lot more personal and intimate than that. Um, like, a, so some of the things that you touched on when we're clo- if somebody's struggling with anxiety, um, I'll ask them, you know, do you really think you want to live in this busy part of town? There's a lot of noise outside your window and, you know, I, I, I will turn people away from something like that because you can see that they're not settled in the environment when they're walking into it, doing a showing. And so why would you want to live there? Don't, don't live there. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have people that want to go live in a cabin in the woods, right? And you can, you can tell that they're a little bit um, isolated already. They've said that they, their family doesn't come to visit enough. And so, you know, it's like, well, you don't want to do something that's going to reinforce that, 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 that feeling. And that's when you need to be social. Right. You know, you're living in the cabin right. in the woods for, you know, right. at one point you think it's, you know, I want to just be alone in the woods and yet right. you crave 
so social interaction with people. So these these are interesting, and I, I want to be able to break that down too because I, I went through some of the lists that you have, and there's there's so much to it. You know, with, mm-hmm. with clutter and parks and near water, uh, we're going to get to to so much of this. But when I was looking at it and and looking at the growth of what they're calling this wellness, you know, wellness real estate, right. it is well, gosh, 197 billion dollars. Where is the research? Where when did they decide to say okay? There's something behind all of this, especially when they're saying 80 to 90% of our well-being and stuff is this plays a massive factor in it. I think that it, it's it's grown over time. Um, we've seen uh, – we used to, we started a national park system um, 100 years ago because there was a recognition that we needed to preserve natural environments. There's always been this recognition in human psychology that we need to be connected to our environment, that that connectedness breeds a certain level of um, – happiness and i um as as time progressed you've seen various iterations of that same idea um urban architecture and urban planners have certainly grabbed on to a lot of this stuff and try to make spaces green accessible friendly um, age appropriate in some cases and and this has just grown from that perspective at, at a social level which is really really important what what the, are you referring to then when you say at a social level? So at a social level are, are shared spaces, are common spaces, and how we treat those. There's a lot of public policy dialogue in the city of Ottawa, for example, about how to redevelop Le Breton Flats. Okay, this is an ex- excellent example of how we integrate various aspects of community relationships, uh, social dynamics, um, built environment into how people are living. If we're trying to create more cycling in a city, then you've got to build the infrastructure to do so. So it's, it's all integrated. And, and that's really where um, there's, a lot of, uh, the, the, there's a lot of progression most recently. It's born a bit by the sustainability movement, but also by this concept of resilience. And that's how we are starting to realize that this is really, really important. And you, you mentioned this, the WHO study, the WHO study. Um, that said that 80 to 90% of our health outcomes are linked in some manner or form to our built environment. That's very powerful. So my, um, my belief is that we're now stepping into the next frontier, which is user-centric, and that means our homes. So we're moving from that social level to the user level at, in our homes. And what you mentioned was uh, actually one of Deepak Copra's um, developments. And... I mean, we don't all have to be deep back Cobra or have his money. <laughs> I, I would love to. I would love to be. <laughs> yes, I, I would. would and, yes. and I would love just to meet the guy. But but that's not um, that's not where um, we, we have to, we don't have to have that level of wealth first of all to to, to achieve. Okay, so things. let me ask you that: with his level of wealth and his level of really what I think is a, is a brilliant kind of knowledge of human behavior and how we can live in the moment and how we kind of view things. What is his life? What is he able to to build and to be around? You know, but he's got a different social status than I think than most of us. But what would he be looking at in terms of what his environment would be like? Um, well, I mean, it's really interesting because here's a guy who's the epitome of sort of peace and meditation and all of this stuff, right? And yet he's still striving to create an environment for himself that feels healthy, right? So why would somebody who's at that level of, let's call it spiritual development, mm-hmm. need that. It's because so within as without, in my view. And 
we need these spaces to sustain our, ourselves on a day-to-day basis. If we're trying to be more mindful, perhaps we need space in our home where it's quiet, where we can create more of a Zen atmosphere, where there's healthy air, so we integrate some, some good plants um, into that space. Uh, he's big on circadian rhythms and light and making sure that we bring in enough ample light into our spaces. This is stuff that we know from, from organizational development theory and, and office spaces. That, you know, it's helpful to have employees close to light and, and, and this sort of thing. Um, but again, we, we often don't talk about it in the sense of our own homes and mental health. And um, Deepak Chopra does because I think he's recognizing that that really plays an important part for his day to day. I would love a little Zen room in my All right. In my house I know. With light and plants. So I, I, I kill every plant. I honestly like all my <laughs> stuff is like the fake stuff because I don't tend to water. I'm not very good about doing that. The one thing though is is I love walking into my home. Like I love that that feeling of walking into to my house and, and feeling like home. Do most people? What is the sense that you get from people? Um or, yeah. No, my my my, my sense is that Absolutely, most people do because they build a sense of familiarity and, and, and contentedness within that home. But what's interesting is because I get to view people, and I'm a bit of a student of human nature, you know, people watcher, if you will, um, but you get to see people move to the next home and how they develop those, those connections to that space. Sometimes it happens really quick. You know, they walk in, oh my God, I love this. And they just develop that, that connection right off the bat. Um, so there's familiarity, which to, to speak mm-hmm. to your point, there's that. But um, I believe that there's a little bit more. I'm a little bit more spiritual than maybe the next person. Um, I believe that we, all, we actually exude a certain energy into our homes. And what's interesting is that in Eastern uh, philosophy and society, that's actually a big thing. Like feng shui mm-hmm. is a big thing. How we flow energy in our homes and, and how that, how that um, becomes part of our experience. I think it's fascinating. I, I did um I did a feng shui uh, podcast with uh, with this woman out of uh, Ireland. I thought she was fantastic, but she made so many points that I had never even thought about. That really opened up. It definitely opened up my 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 thought process with to oh. I can do that. Like I can make these small changes. It wasn't like I could rearrange my entire house. But the points that she had, you know, of even walking in and having a mirror right there that reflects the energy back out of the home. Like there were really interesting things that I was like, my gosh, like an energy and an energy force within a home. I agree with you because I'm coming from that same background. You feel it. And I think people sense it when they walk into a home if there's a good energy or a bad energy. Yes. Yes. So can you tell with people that you're walking into places with whether they're drawn to or not drawn into an environment it, it depends um you know for some people yes some people that they're, they're pretty open um and other people uh it's there's a lot of layers there um i find that because it's real estate a lot of people are concerned about the financial right and sometimes that's a huge block to them actually getting grounded and seeing how that space speaks to them at a gut or at a gut level like you know the, the, they talk about having a second neural network within our embedded in our abdomens right and you can see when people are having that reaction but it's going through that into their head and then they start talking about interest rates and all this other stuff and it's like they're missing the point of what they're trying to achieve which is a nice space where they can feel at ease. And um, sometimes that tends to block people, I think, from from getting in touch with that. I try and, to the best that I can, 
help people and coach them through getting in touch with that gut. When, okay. So when you're approaching things from this wellness side, what would be the critical questions that you would ask people? Like when, when people are open to this idea of understanding what's going to be best for them, because I'm not sure where I would fit in in all of this. You know, like I like, you know, being close to amenities and yet I do like, you know, being able to go to someone's cottage. <laughs> I can't afford the cottage, but I, but I feel at peace when I'm at a cottage, right? right. So, you know, how do you open up people's thoughts to maybe what they thought was going to be good for their mental health and their physical health might not be what they had envisioned, but this would be something else. Like, what are the questions you're asking them? Um, typically, and, and it's not my job to, to change anybody's mind. Um, so again, that's a service. It's a service rather than sales, right? Because otherwise that would be salesy. So um, really my, what I try and do is um, I get to know my clients really well. Uh, on a personal level, and I get to know what motivates them. So it's really just having a discussion with them. Um, and people become really open um, about maybe ailments that they've had uh, and or challenges or what they're trying to achieve. And you can see, you can just pick up uh, the vibes from them, right? Um, they want a space. You, you can talk to them, but, you know, you can see them talk lovingly about wanting to have the grandkids come over, for example, and have, have them swim in the river or swim in the lake. And so right away, you know, you're getting that sense from them um, that there's a longing, that there is there's a desire to achieve some ideal. And uh, so so there's those cues. But I also ask questions um, like, tell me, just, you know, close your eyes and paint the picture for me. And it's amazing when you ask people to do that, close your eyes and paint the picture for what your beautiful dream house is like. And, and, and I say, just pretend that for a second that money's not an object. It always will be, but let's not have that as a limitation as to what we're trying to achieve for you. So, so they close their eyes and they do it and they start talking. And what's interesting is I usually start to hear these narratives. Like I see myself, you know, at a fire, a campfire in the backyard and then going down into my fully f finished basement and having a nap on the couch at, you know, you know what I mean? And it's just like, it's these interesting stories that you get to hear people tell about what they envision. And so then it's my job to pick up on those and and help people to try and achieve that within within a reasonable budget. Because yes, we, we don't have unlimited resources. So is that when you start questions like, how long are you willing to put in for a commute? Are you going into, does the commute itself make you anxious and stressed? And does that come into play does it come into play like do you anticipate have if it's a young couple a children park play area or later in life that you know grandparents as you mentioned kind of wanting a space to be able to take the grandkids to be able to play like where where in this do those critical i think questions come in so i don't rush people um and what i mean by that is that i let them go and see it for themselves so, you know, that's, that's where, you know, just from a, you know, any realtor will do, they'll show you various properties, right? The difference is, is that you, you let people experience that a bit and they ultimately make those determinations for themselves. With that said, I will advise them um, of what the, what the impacts are, good and bad. Because there's always good and bad. Because you can get something that's going to take a longer commute that's maybe going to suit you in a lot of ways socially um, and, and, and perhaps just having space where you have, if you have a hobby, 
like a lot of like musicians need an extra room where they can go and play music. That's so important for them. And so um, they might need to move somewhere a little further out so that they can have that because it would be hard to afford that downtown. And those are all the trade-offs, but it's, it's um, I help sort of coach people in, in making that decision by looking at it comprehensively and saying, what are those things that are important to you? Because sometimes some people don't mind to drive. I, I'm not one of those people, right? My cortisol level spikes. <laughs> and, and I know that about myself. So I'm somebody who's best with, with better proximity because that's important to me. But um, the, it just, it depends on the individual. It becomes a very personal Right. You could have an individual who actually likes and enjoys the alone time in their car. I've had people Absolutely. say, actually, I really, you know, it's my Zen time. I put on a podcast. I listen to opera. I listen to music. Right. And so listen for some Leanne people, Lang as we well, go home. Yeah. I had some people just say like the drive home at the end of the day, they put on, you know, classical music. And that seems to be like they're able to leave one environment, do the trek, and then be able to get into a different mind space yes. before they're, you know, walking through the front door. So those are different kind of those are different considerations but when you said to you know you have someone who's anxious with sounds are you able would would you want them to be able to talk about an anxiety or being around people or how sounds so kind of- yes and usually how i do it is um i speak from my own experience so what, what what was the experience for you? Um, I, I I had a, a lot of a, a lot of anxiety. Um, I had a real sensitivity to my natural environment. Um, I you know I have some you know somewhat uh, ADD personality, um, and I have those tendencies. Um, there I had addiction issues in the past that I had to contend with. So in order to in order to heal from those, I needed to become very aware of what sort of environmental stimuli I was exposing myself to. I actually made a wholesale change in a lot of areas, including decreasing the amount of news intake. Um, and, and that was because it was a lot of negativity. And I found that I was actually having a, a reaction to it. So there's just all these various things, but a big, big part of it was exposure to nature for me, getting close to water and getting close to green spaces. And that became immeasurably beneficial to me and I, I I had to recognize it I was like wow this is very powerful I if I take a day off and I stay at home in bed and you know then it's it's not necessarily rejuvenating me if I go out for a walk and I put my bare feet into the sand and I'm by water or whatever and I'm, I'm saying sand and water because my spots Constance Bay um, and and I, and I do that, I feel incredible. Um, so I was noticing those things. And I'm like, this is like not pseudoscience. This is impacts on the mind. And I started looking into it. And sure enough, there's dopamine, serotonin, your cortisol levels are decreased, your endorphins kick in when you picture beauty, something beautiful, a beautiful vista. And so I, um, for me, it was those practices and dedicating time to doing that became really important. Then I realized that, okay, I need to bring that into my world. I can't just be going and and chasing that all the time. I need to bring that in. And that's where, for me, the idea of wellness real estate really grabbed hold of me and, and put me and sent me on this path where I've changed vocations. I've, I've done a bunch of different things in my own life to pursue my own happiness. And it's been awesome. Um, but that's, uh, that's the, the growth for me. Well, it's interesting. And, you know, 
it's interesting that you mention that because oftentimes you can't find sand and water in your backyard. Right. But if you but there are spots that do have sand and water in a backyard and you might be able to find that in different cities or different environments. I forgot about Constance Bay. Gosh, there's a sailing club and everything right there. You I right. should think about it that way. So for you it was water and nature. Yes. That you were looking to for, a degree. To a degree. To a degree. But again, it's a it's a pinwheel. There's a balance. I need social uh, you know, social connection is huge for me. You know, healthy social connection is huge. So I can't be isolated. Right? So for you, it was water, sand in a community, not water and sand out by a cottage on your own. That's right. Okay. That's right. So, but would you have found that for some people it is not Absolutely. Being... How much for the clients that you have worked with, how much has it changed that how they feel, how they feel mentally by being in the environment where they might not have thought this is where I needed to be, but have then through working with someone like you or maybe being exposed to different properties that they hadn't thought about, how do they feel afterwards? Well, I think that, um, I mean, what's interesting is that I don't think people are always still that aware of what's occurred, but it's, you know, I noticed that some people call up and they go, oh my God, like we love this place and they're so vocal about it and, you know, they won't stop talking about it and they're telling, you know, they're telling all their friends and, and it's so evident. Other people, less so. Uh, but you see their um, Facebook posts, right? And suddenly, you know, it's like every night, it's like another picture of the sunset at the waterfront home that we just bought. And you can tell that they're enjoying that. And then you see pictures of them bringing their friends and family there. And, you know, and, and, and you're getting this and you know that they're enjoying it. You know that they're getting those benefits. And um, that's a really, there's like, there's no better feeling for me, you know. I get it. Yeah. I do. I get it. I'm trying to think here. Oh, my gosh. You know, usually if I take a picture of the sunset in my neighborhood, I have like a hundred rooftops <laughs> over top of it because, you know, I'm living in one of those, you know, like the, the, the suburbia, the yeah. developments where you can put your arms out and touch your touch your neighbors. I want to go through um, kind of some of the things that we had because um, improving your surroundings was one of the things that we had. And in that became like clutter, crowd noises, air pollution. Let's go through some of those because I think, you know, some of the things society's trying to be better at, but other times we're seeing illness, as we mentioned, respiratory, you know, things that came in with that. So can we talk about some of those kind of tips that you have? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Let's go with the air pollution. Um, so for air pollution, I think one of the best things you can do is you can, um, first of all, always do regular home maintenance. Uh, that goes without saying. Make sure that your service, your furnace is serviced properly. Um, make sure that you're using a MRF uh, level that's appropriate for you um, in terms of removing those air toxins. It's actually really important. If you're in a new home, like you said, those, those bedroom communities that we have all around, um, there's actually a lot of gases that can be released from new home building materials. Um, so be mindful of that. Uh, you know, a lot of those homes have the, um, the integrated uh, HRV systems, which will cycle your air. Use it. Um, open up your windows, let it air out, let, let good air in, you know, do all of those things because new, new home building materials, they do release a, a level of, of gas and chemicals. So really important to know, um, plants, there's certain plants that really oxygenate the air really, really well. And, uh, you can bring those in, uh, to certain key spaces, um, like next to your bed and, and, and in your bedroom, um, that will hopefully promote more restful sleep. Be mindful of light. 
Um, so oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like picturing the plants right now. Do you know which kind of a plant? Like are there certain types that the you – The snake plant, a fern um, are really, really good ones. Uh, and uh, aloe vera actually oxygenates quite well too. So yeah, there's a few. Okay. Plants, especially in the bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I got the air. So let's go with light. I'm thinking that's going to be a big one. It Windows? is. Window light? Like what kind of light are we talking yeah, I mean, we want, I mean, everybody knows about blue screen, right? And and all of that light that we're getting un, un, from unnatural ways. Um, so that's just lifestyle, right? Everybody's got to maybe be mindful of how much time they're spending in front of a screen. Um, but when you're designing a space, uh, be mindful of what direction your home is facing. And uh, think about when light is pouring in, Um you, that's actually a big consideration for a lot of people buying a home too. A lot of people want southwestern exposure because they want that afternoon sun. That's a big one that intuitively, you know, people have no problem with. A lot of the stuff I talk about, they go, oh, really? Whatever. But when you start to talk about exposures and what direction you want the house to face, they go, oh, yeah, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's just, you know, a bit of what I do is take that principle and just expand it outwards. Um, but, but for light, it's, uh, you know, there's certain companies that make really good blinds that will let in just enough, but not too much. So use those things and um, be mindful of how much time you spend. If you have a basement um, and you're down there, if your kids especially have a basement um, area and they're down there and there's not a lot of light and then suddenly, and you're, you know, if these kids just won't go to sleep, they just won't go to sleep. Well, you know, they haven't maybe had enough exposure to natural light um, throughout the day that it's going to promote enough vitamin D and melatonin in their system. So these are important things that it's all part of our, uh, we're, we're just, we're all human. And and it's really important to, to consider those things. So when I look at a lot of the new home builds, though, and, and maybe it's just a certain design, but it seems like windows are becoming almost like, like walls. I'm seeing like floor to ceiling window you know, yes. and and my first thought is, oh, my God, people can see through like that must be crazy at night. Like you can see everything that's going on inside the house. Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm creepy and I, I like to look at people's <laughs> homes when I'm driving by at night. <laughs> Especially to, I'll start drawing I, no, the blinds honest, now, yeah. I guess. Oh. Okay, I will be honest. If you live on the canal, if you live on the canal, like on Echo yes. or on those, like yeah, I yeah. just love driving by and, you know, and I seeing know, these right? gorgeous homes, right? Oh, so, me too. so, but I honestly think at the same time, you know, I get that in the day it's it's pretty neat, but is this a style that people are, are looking for? Like, Well, it, actually, it's interesting because mm-hmm. um, uh, w- we've done some, our, our brokerage has had some stuff there, and uh, often you'll get window film. People will put on window film that's reflective, so at least in the daytime people aren't seeing in, but at night you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people can see, like, right into the home. Um, and, I mean, I guess it's just being mindful of that, <laughs> right? How much do you want to show the outside world? Um, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, so we're getting to light. Uh, okay, so parks you were talking like a hundred yeah. years ago yeah. you know somebody Common was spaces. really was really smart and and, right. and and gave us our our parks and we can't touch it but the further and further out these cities are going the more land we're taking up i mean and i can definitely feel it. i've lived here in ottawa mm-hmm. and i've seen the city expand like yeah. in every single direction especially south because we can't go much for north because we got the water so our how important is it for the builders and for the planners and especially when talking sustainability and now we're much more environmentally, you know, aware that we are keeping that available? 
for people to have these spaces. Well, what's here, here's what's really interesting is if um, I, for, I, I can't remember the, I think it might have been Harvard, but they did a study basically um, on green space. And what you're talking about is green spaces in a community and how we integrate that into the built form of that community. And what's fascinating is that it's not necessarily the quantity of green space, but the quality of it. So you can have a big open field and you, we see them all the time, a big open field with two soccer nets. Nobody is ever in it, you know? I, I, I see it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why isn't anyone using that space? Um, and then you can have really well-crafted, um, beautiful spaces. And beauty is a big part. Uh, we, we're instinctively drawn to natural beauty. There was this great study done where they said, just picture, close your eyes and picture um, and they, they did this to like, like 10,000 people across the world and picture what you see is beautiful, um, in terms of a natural setting. And what was fascinating was that almost everybody said the same thing and it mimicked an African safari with a small cluster of trees, a little bit of water and, and medium length grass. And you could see as far as the eye could see. And that's what people were depicting as their idea of what was beautiful. That's because, you know, a lot of people say that's buried deep in our mitochondrial DNA, right? We were, we're all children of, of, of Africa in, in one way or another. And, and how, you know, how did that, you know, how does that happen that we all identify that? But the point is, is that it's beautiful. It's beautiful in what we see and determine as beautiful. And when we go there, there's more restorative and regenerative, regenerative um, uh, impacts that it has on us. Um, so a little bit of water mixed with a little bit of green space, mixed with some trees. And suddenly you're gonna see that that park is better utilized. So for builders, it's about integrating this knowledge into their master plans. Um, It's about cities ensuring that builders do that Um, and trying to build around existing natural, natural areas that are already beautiful a stream and preserving that and and honestly we're we're pretty good at that here in ottawa um compared to other other countries especially we're, we're good at that in canada you know there, we, we seem have, to well, be quite yeah mind, we have the space you yeah. know if i were having this conversation with someone who lives in manhattan they'd be kind of scratching their head and well i mean they tell me well sometimes i need to go out to central park right but that's not always the easiest thing when you live there, take away the air pollution, the light and, you know, noises. Right. I, I'm i thinking no wonder, you know. But see, that's where it's interesting is that these can, this is multidimensional because maybe what you're getting in Manhattan is so much great, you know, you have your book club that you can walk to. You have your favorite coffee shop with people that you love. You're going to a comedy show. So it's making up and it's keeping your spirit whole in the absence of maybe natural awe, which I think is what you're getting at. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because when you're standing on top of a 50-story building, they first of all, they usually have a rooftop terrace, right? And, and they'll put some green space into it. But when you look out over that vista, even if it's all buildings, there's a sense of awe that, that, that for me. And, and it's that sense of awe that then turns into gratitude, which then turns into healthy thinking. And so I think that it's, you know, it's interesting because it's not, man-made structures can be beautiful too, right? That, that's funny. You're right. Absolutely. And, and they're, they're thinking that way. And I know in some of the, the articles that you sent me and some of the things that I read, you know, they are designing the architecture, the right. building of, 
buildings and thought process. I mean, there was like one of the things was like a sleep, like this this structure and this building with sleep as its main focus. Right. Because people are not sleeping. <laughs> and and it's amazing how, how this is what it is. It's amazing how tied we are to these environments and what they can do when they're properly built. Architecture becomes a huge spot. Into, in, okay, in, can we talk yeah. about architecture and sleep? Because okay. I thought that was really quite interesting. Okay. Yes. How, is, how are they creating this space? Is it just where the direction is or so there's a big part yeah there's a big part of that there's a there's a field of 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 study out there in architecture and human human systems and dynamics which basically says that when you're properly aligned you're like a compass right and depending on which direction you're head faces and your toes face you will align the energy in your body better so that's part of what they do they also make sure that again it's a lot about circadian rhythm when it comes to sleep you 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 have to manage how much light people are getting in an appropriate way and to your point of the city lights that can really mess with us too Come screens and city lights and so it the, those buildings will automatically darken windows so that you don't let light in there's there's techniques like that circadian rhythm i think it's probably fascinating for an architect to now need to study some of that as they're creating a structure yeah. Although now that I'm doing a lot of reading on energy, like the whole the whole building itself is emitting its own energy. Absolutely. Its so, so you can they're in, thinking of these things as they're creating. Yeah. And and designers are considering these. And that that whole idea of user-centric design when it comes to our homes and our spaces um, is becoming really important. I saw this uh, you know, like and, and it's everywhere. It's like, you know, using certain crystals. Um, in your bedroom as well. Uh, you know, people do that because crystals emit a certain energy, right? And that's that's what they, you know, that's why people use them in their healing practices. And and uh, sound is a big one for the, the sleep, making sure that, you know, there's a noise reduction level. Because when you're in the middle of a big city, I know I used to uh, live... Um, uh, well, my wife lived and, and I visited um, at, at uh, uh, Kent and Laurier. And I mean, you know, you're this, like right downtown, you're right downtown. The, 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 the sirens are going off all the time. Right. So it's just about having, you know, um, new builds uh, where they're they're making sure those windows are soundproof and stuff like that to improve the quality of your sleep. But they've thought about this now. It's it's making its way in a, a lot of it. What's interesting is there's a cost associated to some of this stuff. And so it's this con constant tension, right, that we have in all areas of life where um, efficiency versus effectiveness. Right? Where, where are we in the middle of this battle then? Well, we're progressing. And I think that's it's a, it's a constant evolution. And we've gone from just requiring, you know, builders to develop a little park to now builders recognizing that these are things that are in demand and people are now asking for them. Okay. So, Where are we on that in terms of socioeconomic that builders, governments are understanding that we need these certain things and yet I'm assuming a home that's, you know, environmentally friendly, sustainable with soundproof, you know, windows that have tint to them so it allows for a certain light to come in, that's going to come at a higher expense. Absolutely. So is there a way, though, for people who don't have the financial means to be able and who are dealing with certain things or are listening to this and saying, oh, I could be a factor? Like how, how do they go about 
kind of fixing, you know, if they're able to fix things or if they're able to implement some of these ideas without the cost of, you know, a new build. Right. And I think that it's just about tapping into the designers out there that are doing this already if you're if you're redoing a property. So yeah, you can't afford to to do that necessarily um, right downtown. Um, but you can buy an older property and over time rehabilitate it and use these principles. And you don't have to be a multimillionaire to do that by any stretch of the you don't even have to be a millionaire. You just have to be mindful of what you're trying to accomplish that this is a space for you to where you're gonna start each day from. And where you want to make sure that all of those systems are functioning properly to support you in what you're trying to achieve out there. And that, you know, you're just being mindful of that creation. There's no, um, from a social perspective, governments can, you know, builders, they will only do so much. Um, and that's where it comes down to a lot of personal choice. But I can tell you there's, there is personal choice out there because for $500,000 these days, you're getting an end unit townhome in Barhaven. <laughs> well, that's and, what I'm saying, right? right? Like, I mean, if I had thought about that 30 years ago, what $500,000 would have gotten me in a property, you're thinking, right. could have done all of this stuff, right? And and right. now that's usually, you know, the second home for people who've gotten divorced and need to split up <laughs> and each of them have a townhome, right? Like, that. those are the, that's the discussions that I seem to, you know, to have. It's, you know, people, and, and it's ex, it's expensive to live and we are trying to find ways, you know, well, there's enjoy. always rural property. No, there I, is. No, I know. I'm, because I'm, 500000 goes a real long way right, in other parts but you of might, the city. Right. Yeah. Now, you but, might have an issue with that you get anxious uh, in a car. And exactly. And for you, it's not the commute or, you know, it's, you, you know, vehicles and the cost of cars and gas. So how far out do you want to be? Are you near, you know, transit? You know, I, I assume a lot of that comes comes into play and and I'm I'm assuming too there's you know and I read so many of the things with if you have wealth the opportunities are unbelievable like when I read through some of the things that are available like it's amazing it's amazing what you can do with you know unlimited resources and am I fair to say that absolutely. I have looked at the research like the sleep homes and you know how these things are being built in the environment and how they're facing an ocean like it's amazing what you could actually create for yourself. Right. And I think what's interesting is like to use the example of, of the cars, everything is a trade-off. And, and how much are we really trying to, first of all, you're absolutely right. This, and it's, it's not going to be in within everybody's budget. And that's just, that's just reality uh, that sometimes you buy homes based on budget and necessity, especially when you're first starting out. You know, right. as as time goes on, people build equity in their homes. That's a beautiful thing, especially in this market. I mean, you know, people are building equity really fast and they're then able to then reuse that for their next home purchase and think about how they want to, you know, what what's important to them. But again, there's always going to be those trade-offs where you can't have it all. I mean, you can. Well, no, right now I'm just hoping can, somebody goes and buys a fern plant or right. a snake plant and puts it in their bedroom, right? right. That, that could be for somebody. That's, that's going to be like, okay, there's my checkmark right. uh, in being able to do this. But I think it's interesting if, if, you know, the beauty or how we perceive beauty of the parks that we want to be near or if it's the water, I, it, it does. It, it makes sense. Yeah, and, and it, what's interesting is that the quality of our lives gets drastically increased. So, so in, in, my, in my experience, right? So if we are, when we're around water, we become more connected to our um, empathetic selves. 
Okay? And research has shown this. The Journal of Psychology has shown this, that we become more empathetic. Um, hopefully we're empathetic with those around us, but also with ourselves. So we're more forgiving of ourselves. And uh, that's just the effect of being around water and looking at water. Um, being up high, you can have effects where people are more creative. Um, so what's interesting is you're talking about money. And, uh, and it's if you optimize some of these areas of your life, it's like anything. You are better positioning yourself to be able to go out there and actually tackle the world. So um, if, if you're exhausted, if you're not sleeping well, if you're not inspired, and if your physical space is limiting you in that way, then investing in having a nice home versus maybe you're not going to buy the brand new car but you're going to take that $500 a month payment and you're going to put that towards your mortgage, maybe you're going to actually end up doing better that year because you're going to have more energy. So it's, it's all cyclical and it's all about creating a platform for how we choose to live our lives. And the great part about real estate, in my view, is that we, we're always building wealth through it. You know, we're not, if we're, you know, if we're, if we're owners, if you're a property owner, you're always building wealth. So you're investing in yourself. Well, you'd be investing a lot longer, too, as people are living longer lives. These retirement communities are shifting and changing. I know there's some that uh, are really about human connection. Uh, there are yeah. some that are about physical well-being. I mean, we yeah. haven't talked a lot about if we are sitting in that commute for an hour, is there an opportunity to get out and move and have places? To, Six to pounds a year, things? they say, for us people. I'm in the suburbs, too. So right, right now, I'm in the suburbs. And so six pounds a year, they say, on average, that suburb living does to us. So, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, that's what the research says. So, um, because of all the sedentary lifestyle, you know, which is interesting. Um, <laughs> it is. You know? But you can, you know, there's... <laughs> yeah, you can see it. Welcome I can to feel the suburbs. Here's your it. six pounds. Don't, hurt you. you don't need to buy the scale. You don't need, you don't need to do that. So, when we talk about these retirement then, because yeah. there's massive shifts in that. People are living yes. longer. They're living healthier, yeah. more active lifestyles longer. How has that had to change that type of community living? Uh, I think it's it's exactly what you said. And and it's, it's, it's awesome because people can go and live in a retirement community now and they don't have to be bound by, um, you know, and surrounded by a bunch of geriatrics all playing bumper pool. I mean, these, you know, there's, there's golf courses. There, there's a lot of things that are being integrated into this, just recognizing how active people are. Um, I think that uh, what's expectations have have risen too um but those places are not cheap either uh what's great about them is you look at certain areas of the city and they're integrating retirement communities to be very walkable in nature so you used to see like um orchard view that's like kind of way out and and it's sort of further out in in Greeley and now you're seeing communities develop right in the heart of Manatic for example okay this is great for seniors and their connectivity. I'm really passionate about because I, I see it a lot where people age out of their homes and um, and there isn't family around. And you can see that they're a little lonely and it's sad. And so but when you see them relocate to a place that's like one of these communities and suddenly they have people around that are their own age and they're talking, and they're laughing and whatever, it's it's, it's great. But that's really that's that's really smart, you know. Use of of we're going to create communities that will sustain, you know, 
the the older older folks. Well, the social interaction, I think, it's huge for some of them. They and being been immersed in, in the homes. community, immersed in the community, because it's not just social interaction between them out in the middle of nowhere it's immersed in the community so they're walking to go get their groceries they're going down to the 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 church nearby they're doing those things and they're feeling a sense of purpose right because they can get involved in community stuff and it's just it's it's great and and that's where we're we're seeing we are seeing those shifts certainly as we age as a as a population well i've definitely seen it just in um and they're going up fast yeah these buildings are going up very fast, but yeah. our our population is aging. Yes. So these homes that they would have lived in for 40, 50 years, you know, where, where, what are people changing that those homes into? Does so, that make any sense? That yeah. That's the question that I'm asking. Yeah, you absolutely. have a lot of people that are, you know, they need, they've outgrown the home. Right. And now they become, those those homes become where I help, like the the... We call them Henrys um, at, at my brokerage, and it's high in uh, high earning, not rich yet. Henry, right? High earning, not rich yet. Um, wow. Well, okay, uh, ma- ma- that's going to stick with me. Yeah. Millennials, right? Okay. Millennials, high right. earning, not, not rich, rich yet. Yet. It's essentially meaning that they haven't built their wealth through real estate yet. They will by the time they're forty-five, because they would have been paying into a mortgage for mm-hmm. the last, you know, 20, 20 years. But they're not rich yet, so, um, but they're high earning. And, and there are a number of millennials, that, especially like, you know, you see like Shopify, you oh, know, gosh, yeah. oh my God, like these, and the, they're doing great and it's fantastic. And, and, and God love that guy for, for bringing that into the city or for But with that, you have city. a ton of Henry's. You have a ton of you're, Henry's. Yeah, you're right. So, but those Henry's are there to eat up some of that housing inventory and that's what we're seeing. Um, I don't want to make okay, this so into are real these, estate. Are these, but, no, but are these Henry's then making these decisions because these millennials are much more aware uh, and absolutely. and much more proactive about understanding, and I think they put a lot more emphasis on their mental health because they, yes. they've realized they've been there, and they're the generation that have grown up with phones, grown up with the technology, um, and have seen what what has happened. And they've seen know? what's happened to their parents. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so I would assume that they're much more educated as to what it is yeah. that they want, and are coming from working environments that are also promoting and have included that into. An office space. I I agree. Right? I agree. And if I think, you're working at a Shopify, you want to actually just put your bedroom in there and live there. The space is so yeah. nice with every with all the amenities, right? right? So to go from that, they're going to be looking for a similar environment. That's right, and that's where you're seeing a lot of um, people. Um, you know, you're seeing the HGTVers, right? Where people are going and they're buying an older bungalow, let's say in Alta Vista or or an area like that that's close to the city, and and they're they're rehabilitating this place and they're bringing it up to like a modern standard um, and using modern materials and blending that old and new. And so we're you're certainly seeing a lot of that, and that's like a lot of people's ideal. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there looking to do just that because it's proximity. In that, it's proximity. So right. for a millennial, it's it's neighborhood and proximity, okay. absolutely. And I would say it's not just millennials too, because there's there's a lot, certainly a lot of um, uh, older, um, well-educated folks who have grown up, um, who have you know worked their entire lives. They, they've wanted to be close to work because that's been a major focus for them. And now they're part of a community. If you think of like Beechwood area um, or Glebe or Old Ottawa, or, or Old Ottawa East is now like becoming this like new hip place, but. In all of those spaces too, where it's walkable, right? Um, a lot of people are are, are you, you're seeing that there, 
in those communities in Ottawa. Hmm. And so they don't want to, they don't want to drive. It's the driving. They, they don't even want to drive. They don't want to drive. They want to, they, they'll drive the old beat up Civic and they won't have a car payment and they'll put that into their house payment because it's just, it's what they're choosing to, for their lifestyle. Um, and that lifestyle decision is big. Um, you also have a whole other group of people who will want to buy new homes in the Barhaven areas, the Canadas, the Orleans, right? And and th- there's that too. And they're usually, um, usually, typically, uh, to some extent, working in different fields too. Hmm. It's it's funny because I'll have these arguments with people who want to live in like the downtown. So I have friends that live in like the downtown mm. core, right? And who I I envy because for them they can easily go to the Gatineau's and go for a hike. Like for them, it's like a 10-minute drive from downtown Ottawa to go to the Gatineau's and hike or to go for a snowshoe or, you know. And and I I find sometimes, and I was saying this to Tony the other day, I find that we're lazier because we don't, we'd rather, well, well, we'll just stay home and, and go into cozy mode. Whereas as someone who has access to these trails and to doing things are more likely to go and do that, right? But so it's also I know- how much have you driven all week compared to them? They haven't had to. They've driven five minutes, right. you know, from from their house into so the downtown. So those court. energy reserves are full, <laughs> right? So, th- so they have a chance to do that. Well, no, and, and, and Tony and I work out of the home now, so yeah. we. I, okay. I used to have this great commute, but at three thirty yeah. in the morning, I didn't have much traffic. So my yeah. what some pe- t- takes people an hour to get in, it took me twenty minutes because I had no traffic. But at the same time, when I'm in some of their homes sometimes it feels claustrophobic, you know, and there's no storage space and there's no closets and there's no, there's no place to put things. Whereas, you know, you can go to my house and there's, you know, a linen closet and there's other things. So <laughs> the trade-off is, you know, you kind of are looking at both things, but it's their lifestyle. And I know that being outdoors for this family is a major component to what, how their family stays close together. I don't think they would survive right. with the drive and the commute in the suburbia not being close to these things. So, I can see how the mental health or the relationship between the individuals and the family take its toll. But sometimes yes. I don't think people acknowledge that. No, I don't think they do. And I think it's what's interesting is to go back to your point of affordability, right? Um, I've had people... Oh, yes. They can afford what they're doing. Yeah, I should have added that. And, and But but I've had people um, say, so, you know, and quite directly to me say, um, am I better if I, if, if you know, what are you saying? I'm, I'm a better person if I live in a more expensive home? And I'm going, absolutely not. That's, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a terrible thing to say. Um, but if the drive home is going to get you into a state of anxiety, if it's going to get you really tense, if your cortisol levels are going to spike by 60% and the time you walk through that door, you are already amped up. Yeah, you might just be a better person if you lived closer to work. <laughs> and it's not about it's not about the home itself. It's about what those things do to us. But to your point, people can use that time in the car for different things. And if they're being mindful of using that time effectively, then it's it, it might be a moot point. Um, but for others, having that proximity to be able to walk down to the green door, for example, you know, to go get their favorite meal. Um, those little things, those little luxuries become... Uh, really part of their lifestyle that they really cherish and that brings them a lot of joy. And that's really what it's about for people is... Well, we were talking about wellness, right? So it's joy, gratitude, having space to be mindful. Yeah. You know, if we look at it from that and and when you look at the total energy of what it is that you're, you're looking to bring, so what would be like the... And when you're looking at the investment that you're making, all I'm saying in, 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 in my chosen vocation is let's be mindful. 
of our decision making. And look at the investment that you're making and where do you want to place that and, and what areas, because you can't have it all. You, we can never have it all, the most, most of us, you know. And so we have to decide, are we going to choose this over that? And, but let's be mindful of what all those decisions really entail and really mean and and what's important to us and if we're suffering with a certain mental uh, you know, mental I just don't think I don't think people are recognizing it that it's coming out in a mental I don't think they are either that they're struggling and I don't think they're making the connection as to why if there are certain things that's been my experience and and I I don't think that people do recognize how important it really can be it is home is home right when you say that word there's a certain energy of a peacefulness and calm but if it's not there there could be a problem there and and so um yeah it's one thing can i ask you to the feeling of the clutter of, yeah you know what that does i know it's one of the topics of the surrounding things but i, right. I was thinking that right you come home and there's a, a sense of you can breathe a sigh of relief but for some there's they come home and it's just stuff so i'm i'll bring it back to the energy because that's how i see this um when we have clutter, it's just like in our bodies, we can have energy blockages. Um, when we have clutter in a certain space, we can actually block the energy from flowing in that space. So it's going to become stagnant. Um, it might even um, start to, I mean, Tony Robbins says, you know, um, you know, um, what is it? M messy desk, you know, messy mind. And it's the same idea, right? That we, if we have clutter in our homes, then it can be for some people uh, that they will not feel a sense of ease and peace. It's, and actually, they've shown it to be more, more prevalent within women. Um, and I don't know if that's because women innately feel a more of a responsibility to keep a space clean, which I think might be a little bit of gender bias coming out in those statistics, um, because I go nuts if there's a little bit of clutter. And, and I know that, but I also feel responsible for cleaning it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that there's a, um, it's not, we haven't fully uh, explored how how clutter and how much it impacts us. But I think the, um, the, the key is that when it's there, the best thing that we can do is do the Maria Kondo, um, thank something for, for having served us and, and send it love and then send it back to the universe and create some space for something new. Uh, and you might be doing that as, as you're looking to where your, your next move could be or your next kind of if you're feeling that the environment that you're in isn't actually helping on, you know, the whole well-being front, which is, as we mentioned right off the top of the podcast, 80 to 90 percent of factors in our well-being and, and our environment, then these might be the thank you to this home for what it has done. And we need to be able to find a different environment for us to feel a different way and to be able to offer us this, ourselves the opportunity to feel better, like have a an overall big picture. This is really, really quite interesting. Can you believe time's like flown by? So... Where people, where can people go for more information? I mean, you had sent me like a ton of articles and things, but where can people go if they're looking for questions, if they're kind of, you know, I'm not necessarily someone's coming here going, I'm going to buy a new house, right, but you know, right. where can people find more on this? And, and, and even for you, I know this is your passion. This is kind of what you're taking on your, your practice to be like. So yeah. where can they find info? Um, so, uh, absolutely. You, you can, well, you can check me out and check out my website and all of that stuff, all that shameless self-promotion. I will, Thank no, you. I will put and, all of the and, links on my, and, in my show notes. Yeah. And, but, but really, I mean, I just encourage people to start thinking about this. The Global Wellness Institute, um, has some really good information, uh, and, uh, just Google wellness real estate and, and see what starts to pop up. And then, 
um, wellness and design and in your home and see what starts to pop up. I mean, use the Google machine, you know, and, and, and learn about it, educate yourself and start to think, I mean, I always encourage people start to think of where your home is as a, as a multidimensional platform for the type of lifestyle and life you're leading mm -hmm. and, and consider it in that manner. Um, these are massive financial investments. And so let's, you know, try and be mindful of what we're really getting out of that on a, on a, an emotional, a spiritual and a body level. Thanks so much. You want to sell your website? Cause you haven't done that yet. Uh, yeah, you can reach me at meaningfulhomesottawa.ca. Perfect. So there you have it. Right. They'll be in the show notes. I'll have all of the contact information as well. Zach, really appreciate you coming in. Thank you, Lee. Uh, and I think, you know what? I might just go do the plant to my bedroom. That's good. Yeah, we might snake just plant. actually, snake yeah. Plant. The snake plant, do you think, is yeah, my best one? Is, okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm going to do like a bet on Instagram whether I can keep it alive for more than like a couple weeks. Uh, that is a wrap on Living Your Life with Leanne Lang. Thanks so much for listening. As always, please, uh, to help the podcast grow, subscribe, let people know, share the content. It's always great to, uh, to be able to see new people all over the world kind of tuning in and uh, being able to take in the information. Have a great day. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.